You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You gotta make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Packernet After Dark. We take calls, we get angry, we yell, we scream, we seethe. Sometimes we say naughty words and it goes like that. Um, that's it. That's the whole story. Uh, where did my voicemails go? There they are. Uh, let's get started. We got a couple, I think a couple new callers. Yep, a couple is accurate. We'll start off with a number that is not from America, which again, I don't. A lot of people from outside the states are like, I can't use Google Voice. Um, you can. Seems as though you can. Um, you just have to call my phone number, six zero eight five zero one zero seven one eight. I don't know why that wouldn't work, but, anyways, give it a call, leave a message, see how it goes. Hey Ryan, it's uh, Nathan calling from London, England. Hey, um, been a lot of negativity. Uh, understandably so. But um, I wanted to add add some positivity to it. I appreciate that. We just took over London. There was green and gold everywhere. And it was amazing. Uh, I met so many people that came over from Wisconsin. Really, really good people. Really, really friendly. Um, Just, it was incredible. And I've been coming to the, uh, the international games in London for... 15 years, and I've never heard it so loud for one team. Nice. I've never seen it so one-sided. It was really, really loud in there. I mean, especially when when Rogers came in on third downs, it was it was it was really incredible. And obviously, it wasn't the result we wanted. It wasn't really the performance we wanted. But man, I, I'm so proud to be associated with this team, and I hope you guys are too. I know. Your main focus is the result, but to to see London just green and gold everywhere was was really something. And um, yeah, made some friends. I'm definitely coming out to Wisconsin when I can. Uh, my daughter loves her new cheese head. Nice. Even though it costs me about <laughs> sixty bucks, but there we have it. That's what we do to support our team. They so, were uh, go pack go. It's coming. It's it's gonna click. We'll be fine. Let's go. You know, I'll, I'll be real honest. I didn't realize uh, Tottenham's colors were blue. And so when I first saw them pan the stadium, I'm like, it's all blue everywhere. 
Like what what is this bill of BS we've been sold that it's all green and gold? This is like 80% giants. And then I realized the seats are all blue. So it kind of like, you know, the empty areas look like all giants. Like, oh, okay. And then it dawned on me, some people are probably wearing blue because that's the stadium, you know, like the, the team that plays there, they're, they're just wearing their Tottenham stuff. Uh, but I, yeah, I was, I was stunned because I saw that and I was like, uh, it is not even 50% green and gold. When I look out into the stadium, it's at least 50% blue. But again, I don't know how much of that was just the seats, how much of that was actual Giants gear as opposed to Tottenham gear. I don't know, but that kind of scared me. But but as far as the noise, there's no doubt, especially at the beginning of the game, it seemed like it started to get a lot quieter as the Giants started making plays. Um, you could hear the stadium start to struggle to make noise, you know, when the Giants are on the field late. But it was one of the it was, it was one of the greatest things I've heard in terms of noise ever at the start of the game because it was first down and they weren't even in the huddle yet and it was rocking loud. You cannot get Lambeau Field to do that for nothing. First play, second play, doesn't matter. First down, no. <laughs> There's very little noise on first down. That was about the loudest when that when that game first started and the Giants first had possession. Um, it was it was extremely loud and very very noticeable especially considering the, the capacity there isn't even as much as it is in Lambeau. So less people are making more noise. So that was very cool, and I'm very glad that a lot of people got to experience that, both Americans getting to experience London and um, people in the UK or from Europe that were there getting to experience a Packer game. I think that's awesome. And hopefully we got a lot, new, a lot of new Packer fans out of it. I'm hoping your daughter and some of the other younger people that might have been there, and even some of the older people that don't have allegiances yet, um, although generally you want to pick the winning team. Hopefully, for some reason, they pick the Green Bay Packers in that, if, if nothing else, the environment. So that's my hope, and I appreciate you starting off on the, on the right note. I don't think it stays that way, but at some point, we got to turn the ship. You know, we've, we've spent two days yelling about what the issues are and stating our position about the reality of the situation or what it at least appears to be. I mean, you you can call in about whatever you want. That's completely fine, especially people that haven't even called and voiced their opinion yet. I'm, I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying for the sake of the show and myself, we've expressed it. Now we got to focus on fixing it, changing it, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, uh, Nathan London is uh, it's pretty straightforward. I do appreciate the call. Next up. Hey, Ryan. This is Randy from uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yes! I got three things. Randy? There's no Randy in Scranton. I know everybody in Scranton. Okay? Okay? I don't think there's a Randy. I don't think so. Is there a Randy? Are you Randy Cordray? The film producer that Danny Cordray is named after? Is that you? Even though he's probably a California guy? Look, either way, you're a liar, but I do appreciate you calling in, Randy, or whatever your real name is. For you. First thing. Yep. What's going on with Christian Watson? Heard all the time. Ways to pick because, I mean, come on. But- let's, let's, somebody just posted this on Twitter, so I want to, I want to get this out there. The biggest issue with Watson, and, and the point that was even made is it seems like the Packers really wanted him to be a big part of the offense, but he missed all of training camp because he was hurt. Then he got hurt again, and now he's hurt again. He's been hurt three times. I mean, the first time wasn't really hurt. It was cleaning up his knee, so they did a procedure, so he had to sit out. Then he got hurt again, 
and then he came back. He just got back, and now he's hurt again with a hamstring injury. So, you know, to miss all of training camp due to an injury, and then to get injured again, and then to get injured again, uh, I, I don't know. It's it's really hard to get up to speed when you're never on the field and when you're never practicing because you're always hurt. Three injuries, and we've played five games and he missed all of training camp. That's a big problem right now on top of everything else that's an issue. We're doing end rounds with this kid. He's a freak. Get the kid the ball. Aaron Rodgers should be going to him on the sideline saying, hey, man, I'm coming to you. Keep a positive attitude. We'll get this thing. Second thing, A.J. Dillon. Get the kid out in open space. Those freaking thighs, can you imagine tackling him in the open field? Come on. That is a good point. Generally, what we do is we f- we'll do pony package or whatever, and we'll flex out Aaron Jones, and then we'll, you know, I mean, and I understand the thought behind it. Aaron Jones is the more elusive um, receiver or whatever, and so if he's a better receiver, you put him in space, and if they chase him, then you have a lighter box for your big beefy back to smash up the middle. But it works the other way around too. If you flex out AJ Dillon and they follow him. Well, you kind of have two options now because I don't mind A.J. Dillon's odds if it's a one-on-one, even if a linebacker follows him. But the more likely option is now you just created a light box for Aaron Jones, who is your better running back. So it, it either way, it works. And if they don't follow, you know, if they're, if they're not following Aaron, or if you get a look that you want with Aaron Jones, then you would throw to Aaron Jones, right? Because he's, but like you said, why wouldn't you want that guy in space? Granted, when he's got three guys wrapped around him, he can push for another three yards, but sure would be nice to see him one-on-one with some corners and safeties and whatnot, too. I, I, you know, I get what they're doing, but you would think once or twice you would kind of do it the other way around, especially now that everybody's seen it a billion times. You start getting A.J. Dillon in motion. Guy's got great hands. He can do everything Aaron can do just in a different way. So I'm not opposed to what they're doing, but I agree. Yes, maybe maybe be more creative. Because they're not being very creative with Dillon. He's not doing anything. He's they're they're kind of just telling him to run up the middle, so that's kind of annoying because they've done a lot more of them in the past, a lot more in the receiving game, screen passes, all kinds of stuff. So it is a little odd. And third, again with Rogers, I'm sick of the camera going to him and just seeing that face of disappointment on every play. He's the leader. He's got to have a better attitude. He's got to go back to the sidelines. Don't sit by himself. Go sit with your rookie wide receivers and let's figure this thing out. The weeks are flying by here. These, these losses are going to add up. And if we make the playoffs, it's not going to be a pretty road. Well, thanks for uh, letting me call. See you, Ryan. No, I agree. And, I, you know, again, he's, he's allowed to lead however he chooses, but I just think what he's choosing to do has a negative impact. Um, and I think he knows that. He's all about this positive energy and all this energy you put out into the universe and all the energy stuff. You would think that guy in particular would understand that sitting there shaking your head and doing all that stuff is not great. I mean, you you look at what the Chiefs did yesterday. I didn't watch the game, but it takes a guy like Pat Mahomes and the leaders on that team to to say, you know what we do here. You know that this is we're going to win this game. You, you know this. You know, you, you've seen Tom Brady pace up and down the sideline rushing over and you know the the wide receivers are huddled up he'll go run in there and start screaming and saying all this stuff he's smacking people on the back he's doing all this stuff 
lots of really good quarterbacks do that. It's what leaders do. They say, we've got this. And, you know, occasionally he'll do something, but it's a more subtle, like, you know, he'll just kind of like wink at Devontae kind of thing, which, you know, he's not there anymore. But I, he just seems to have this, you know, that's not what I do. And I just have higher expectations for people to just be ready and be on that level. Well, I'm sorry, there is a human element to this, you know. Sometimes people need stuff. Sometimes people are motivated when you're motivated. And I don't know the conversations that are going on, but you're right. I mean, every time we look at the guy, he's shaking his head. He looks disappointed. He's like, I can't believe I'm stuck with these idiots. Is the look on his face 24-7. And then the wide receivers have to run back into the huddle with that guy just furious that he has to be with incompetent people. Well, that's, that's just not helping anything. But as I said, I think we need to just stop being concerned with things like that changing because they're not going to change. Aaron Rodgers hasn't changed. He's not going to change. We can't expect him to change. Matt LaFleur's not going to change. Joe Barry's not going to change. Nobody changes. It's about this is what we are and what we do, and people are going to either rise to the occasion and win the way that we play or we're not. That's the question for the Packers right now. I don't think it's so much about we need to change, even like A.J. Dillon or these kinds of things. Maybe they'll start incorporating that. I don't know. But it's the, the Packers are focused on execution. They're looking at that stack box, and, and Matt LaFleur and everybody else are saying the correct decision was to pass the ball. We just need to execute. From our standpoint, yeah, cool, granted, but you can't because you suck. So run it, <laughs> right? I understand you should be able to, but you're not able to. It's why guys like Saquon run all the time into stack boxes. Because despite the fact that the numbers say one thing, we know that we still, with a stack box, trust Saquon more than we trust our ability with one-on-one on the outside with Daniel Jones and our wide receivers. And they're right more often than not. Same with Chubb, same with Henry, same with, uh, well, maybe not necessarily the Vikings. They trust themselves to throw, but it's, it's, it's two things at once. We do need to be better, but you're not. Today, you're not. And it's like I said with riding the hot hand, Right? Sometimes somebody's really having a good day, ride the hot hand. You know, if if running is going well and for whatever reason our receivers are just not getting open, they're not doing what they need to do, and that's as frustrating as that is, you got two running backs having a great day. You know what? Let's just ride them. Let's see if we can smash this defense. And if we can't, now we're stuck because we can't run and we can't throw. And now we go back to, well, let's just go with the numbers. That's our best odd. We'll throw 50-50 balls to Lazard and hope it pans out. But make them prove that you can't run. Anyways, I'm not going to repeat myself, but that's just kind of my thought. What I wish they were doing more of, which is just regardless of what should be happening, focus on what is happening. They're so fixated on we should be able to win. Okay, but you're not. Yeah, but we should, but you're not. But we should, but you're not. What are you able to do? Run the ball. That's what you are able to do. Same thing I said with DeGuara. He ran two routes, caught two passes for 20 yards. Where is he? Oh, he's on the sideline. Why? Well, we like Tunyon. He's a better tight end. Usually he is. Today, maybe not be that day. Maybe we put him out there because for whatever reason, the way in which we use DeGuara and mixed with his abilities, mixed with his, you know, how good of a day he's having, all these different factors, maybe we run with that a little bit. We do things that work, and then we say, well, that wasn't, that's not really our core plan for the day. We're going to go back to our core plan, so DeGuara sits. Adjust. 
adapt. The plan isn't working. But there are things that are working. So why don't we do the things that are working and force them to change? Then maybe we can go back to our original plan. Because right now they're shutting down our plan. They see what we're trying to do and they're taking it away. Gone. Poof. Vanish. So now what? What's the new plan? What's the new plan? Well, they're, they're, they're not taking away the pass. They're, they're trying to take away the run. We should be able to pass. Okay, receivers aren't showing up though. Okay, they're having a bad day. Sorry. It sucks. Better luck next week. Maybe next week Dobbs goes freaking wild, but this week it ain't working for whatever reason. But again, I think the Packers are very, especially because they're, you know, again, Matt LaFleur, very high level. Aaron Rodgers, very high level. The, the expectation here in Green Bay is really high. And the, the, the expectation is you are to win. So I don't think they're going to change. I don't think they're going to adapt the mentality of we should be able to, but we're not. So we're just going to run away from it. We're just going to do what's working, <laughs> which is such a, such a weird thing to not want to do. Hey, Ryan, this is Brooke from not Chicago. Hi, Brooke in uh, not Chicago. Last time you asked, it's actually Mundelein, the suburb that there I'm you from. Go. I didn't grow up here, grew up in Aurora, but we're from Illinois. Let me bring you up to speed. My name is Wayne Campbell. I live in Aurora, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. Excellent. Sorry, but Aurora, Illinois will never be anything other than where Wayne's World takes place. Much better than Chicago. Yes. Um... I'm calling because I just listened to yesterday's Packer Nut After Dark. Not sure if you're going to get to this call because so you've got 10 other ones to go to. So close. Um, I am usually a pretty pouty Monday, let's put it, the whole week after a loss. Yeah. Um, don't like to listen to as many of the podcasts that I listen to, at least not in the beginning of the week, because they're just talking about all the bad stuff. Um, <clears throat> not necessarily looking ahead to the next game, but um, everything that everybody said is right on the money, and it just kept making me more and more angry. Um, I'm not calling to vent more on top of everybody else. I generally like to be a sunshine and rainbows kind of a fan. I actually sent my brother into the basement during the game because <laughs> he was getting so angry it was scaring me. Um, it was not pretty and I was definitely frustrated and I like when the players are really you know for lack of a better phrase friends with each other supporting each other it seems like things are starting to fall apart in the locker room now too and it just makes me wonder with all these podcasts that people are pulling up different information and all the stuff that you talk about and everything it's like I wonder if anybody within the Packers organization. Like, I know that they like to separate themselves from the media. They don't like to pay attention to what people are saying outside. It's, you know, put your head down and focus on what's in front of you. But, you know, sometimes you think that they they need to hear this stuff. Like, like yeah. somebody needs to tell them. Somebody needs to point out the passion that comes be- between games, all of the things that people are saying. Like, hate it when fans get so mad and want to throw everything away and are name calling everybody and are just getting so this sucks that sucks these guys suck nobody likes this everybody hates this everybody sucks and you know you don't want to be that kind of a fan because you don't want the team to think that the fans hate them but you know obviously everybody's frustrated Packer fans have been pretty spoiled for a while I love my team no matter what but it's definitely 
frustrating and it would just be kind of cool if uh, they would listen to this kind of podcast and be like, oh, I've, I've, maybe the coaches aren't thinking about the stuff that we're pointing out. I don't know. The phone call is about to end, but thanks for your pod. Thanks, Brooke, from Aurora, Illinois. Tell Wayne I said hi. Um, you know, I've, I've thought about that because, again, usually it's come on the, the, the coaches are super smart and they already know everything and you're a stupid idiot fan slash podcast or whatever. But it is funny sometimes when you'll have media guys or whatever ask a question and you can see the coaches basically going, I hadn't really thought about that. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, it just it certain things never even dawn to them. And, and you realize, first of all, these are not flawless human beings. It's, it's weird because sometimes you kind of, or I vacillate between these are the best of the best. They are the high level of the high level. There's nothing that they don't know. They haven't seen, they haven't done, they haven't experienced. They're the, the top of the top, the cream of the crop. And then other times it's like, you are a special kind of stupid, man. <laughs> I don't know how you don't see that or know that. And the only thing I can think is they live in a bubble just like a lot of people live in a bubble. Right, We Packer fans live in our own little Packer fan bubble. And when there's a little feedback loop, whether it be Twitter or Facebook or podcasts or whatever, and we all see things one way and they see things another way, but by you're right, by blocking out the media, which is 95% the correct decision, you're also not really getting a lot of input. And they get very hyper-focused. I mean, there's, there's a, a lot to do. And they're getting very hyper-focused on, you know, right now it's the Jets. And they look at it and say, this is what we have. This is what we do. Now we need to learn everything we can about the Jets and their tendencies, take our best pieces and figure out how to best attack their weaknesses. They're not sitting there thinking, hey, maybe we could try to get Dylan in space. I mean, maybe that'll pop up in their mind if there's a, if there's a specific weakness they're trying to attack and it dawns on them or whatever. But I don't know. I, I, I do. I think that they're they're in a bubble. And... You know, again, they're they're going to go back and they're going to say what they their their same mantras and it's about execution and they're going to show what should have happened and you should have, you know, the timing on this route and this and that and if you'd have done that it would have been great and we would have been proven right and you know you made me look like an idiot and just go be better. I don't know how much thought goes into, you know, um, rethinking everything. You know, I, I think when when. When you see Matt LaFleur get asked, why aren't you running more? And they're like, yeah, we need to, we need to find more ways to, to get them the ball. That's, that's something that they kind of know generally, but it's going to be, we're going to react to what we see on the field. So we're going to try as hard as we can to get the guy the ball, but if they're going to dictate that we don't, then we won't. So I don't think it's, it's very real that we're going to find a way, other than you know we need to get a big lead so we can run the ball or something. I don't, I don't know. It's also part of the reason I don't expect much change because I don't think that's what they really spend a lot of their energy doing. Really taking a big step back and saying, what are some what are some of our blind spots right now? I think it's just, these are our core pieces. These are our core tendencies. How can we use our best pieces and our, our strengths and our tendencies and our scheme to best attack our next opponent? And it's going to be the same best players as it was last time. And that's why guys like Christian Watson get left in the dust because you know, he's not going to help us do what we need to do. And as much as a lot of people say, well, yes, he is, and I, and I agree he has a lot of talent. Again, you look at how hard it is to convert some of these third downs, and it's always guys like Cobb or Lazard or whatever. It's, it's being in the exact right place at the exact right time, 
great hands, great body control, all the stuff that you need to be. And Watson's, he's a fast straight line runner. There was just a play I saw on Twitter again that I think Aaron Nagler posted it and saw Christian Watson open and he was like, I, this is ridiculous. And um, it did appear that he was open and it's like, why didn't you throw to him? And according to Dusty Evely, he looked at that and he said, actually, this is designed to go to Christian Watson, but he didn't come out of his break at the right time, partially because he was being pulled, but the timing was all off. He's supposed to, right when he gets to the top of his drop, it's just boom, 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 throw. And if Watson had come out of his break cleanly right there, he's he's open and it was designed for him. And who knows, he probably, with his speed, he walks in for a touchdown. Pretty much every time we're talking about Christian Watson, it's if he would have gotten, he would have walked in for a touchdown because he's behind everybody and he's faster than everybody. But the timing was off. So he launched it down the field in the other direction. And it came up incomplete. So maybe it wasn't Watson's fault because he got tugged. But again, it's like from Roger's standpoint, and I understand it, I can't rely on them to do the right things. You know, if that had been Dobbs, maybe he doesn't get open because he doesn't have the speed. I don't know. But at least I can rely on him more or especially Randall or Lazar. I don't need you to be blazing fast. I just need you to be coming out of your break at the exact right time because I'll get the ball there. Because you're going to get that split second of separation, and at that moment, the ball will be there, you can catch it, and there we go. Watson maybe runs for a touchdown whereas Lazard goes down, but it's a 20-yard completion for a first down. Those are the, the nuanced things, and, and I've been seeing a lot of that. I remember in the past, it was Dobbs a couple times where you can just see, you know, everything, is, everything about this is based on timing. Everything is designed around timing. And I just think it's not quite there with Watson. And so I think he sometimes can be really helpful, especially when he's just running in a straight line or doing the jet sweeps because of what it does to the defense. But when you're talking about running routes and the timing is off, it's like we would be better off with someone else doing that. At least that's that's what's being explained. And I can't speak to every single route. And I, I do agree that he probably should be used more often. How did we even get here? What were we talking about? I don't know. But I was like looking like, I don't think Brooke talked about this. I don't know where this came from. I don't know. I'm off on my own here. I'm on an island. But anyways, um, yeah, I think that's um, it's one of the things that's a work in progress, I guess, that, that you kind of hope gets figured out. And, and again, and I know it's like, well, you say this every week, and when is it going to click? I don't know. But it's one of those things where, man, if, if the timing was there, and I haven't even gone back and watched the game yet, but on that one play that was highlighted, if he comes out of his break a half a second sooner and doesn't get grabbed, it's a massive completion probably for a touchdown. So we're, we're so close, and they are still designing routes for him, but at the same time, there's a conflict because on one hand, they really want to get him more involved. On the other hand, he may have single-handedly destroyed that entire series by just not getting the timing right. So it's, it's, it's kind of a catch-22. You don't want to give up on him because, man, he can do some special stuff, but he's, he's kind of killing us a little bit by not getting stuff done at the right time. And again, I don't know if it's his fault, if he doesn't get tugged, it's a different situation, but I don't know. Anyways, um, this seems like a decent enough spot to take a break, so why don't we go ahead and do that? Um, please remember fertilegroundranch.org. If you want to support this podcast directly, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can do so for as little as a dollar a month, and it is extremely, greatly, wonderfully appreciated. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built 
for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Joe from Marshfield uh, calling. Hey, Joe. Uh, I just have a quick question. Yes, sir. Well, or a concern. I'm not sure if it's actually a question. That's um, fine. We have thrown... Uh, Okay, Aaron Jones has uh, 14 receptions through five weeks, and A.J. Dillon has nine, five of which were in the first game of the season. So he's averaging one in the last four games. Uh, I just feel like we need to be throwing it to him, to the to our running backs more, because they're our best playmakers on offense. It, I know we're excited about the rookies and Alan Lazard. There's a lot of hype for him before the season. But I just feel like they're our best players, and we got to get it in their hands more. And if we can't be running it all the time, which you know, which we would run it more, but if we can't, we can at least still throw it to them. I just don't really understand why they're not making as big of an impact in the receiving game, especially at the beginning of the season when people are like, "Oh, they're both of them are easily going to get over a hundred catches." Not on pace for that right now. Um, it's uh, kind of disappointing. I just wish they'd throw it to the, to those guys a little bit more. Anyway, uh, just want to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks. You know, it's funny how often you guys are all on the same page at the same time on the same days. I appreciate that you guys do this. You know, it's funny. We, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a couple different things that don't really fit together. Number one, at the beginning of the year, we said our running backs would be major parts of the receiving game. The, I mean, especially Aaron Jones, but A.J. Dillon is just a much part of that. In fact, when you ask Aaron Rodgers about that, about Aaron Jones as a receiver, he would highlight A.J. Dillon and how special he is. The One of the biggest complaints I get on this show is the underutilization of Christian Watson. 
right? So we know we're going to utilize the running backs in the passing game a lot. We know we don't utilize Christian Watson a lot. What if I told you A.J. Dillon has one more target than Christian Watson does? What if I told you after week one, Christian Watson has one more target than A.J. Dillon does? In the last two weeks, Dillon has one target. You know, that, that's, that seems to be the missing thing here. We can't run, right? The, the, the Green Bay Packers offense are telling us we can't run. The Packers offense is also displaying to us that our receiver, quarterback, tight end situation is not working. What about the receiver, running back situation? I'm sure they've, they've gone out and run routes a couple times. You know what else is interesting to, to that point of a previous caller? I don't remember exactly which one. Just this past week, Aaron Jones ran 26 routes. He was targeted three times on 26 routes. You know how many routes A.J. Dillon ran? Zero. He ran zero routes. So he wasn't used as a receiver at all, and he ran the ball, what was it, six times? Again, we're having a really hard time with the wide receivers on this particular week. I'm not saying forever. I'm just saying this week. Why wasn't Dillon on the field more? I'm not even saying take Aaron off. I'm saying why isn't Dillon on more? Just a question. I don't know. Again, I haven't gone back to watch and, and see what the problem would be, but again, it just seems to be sort of a, a middle ground that isn't being explored as much. The difference between run and pass. Hey, Ryan, this is Henry. Hey, Thank Henry. my formal apology for uh, making you use the bleep button <laughs> uh, a lot if you actually chose to hear my message. I got it. Um, and if not, I understand. Um, yeah. I don't remember everything I said. I was a little uh, out of it, if you catch my meaning. All right, go Pat, go. We'll turn it around, I hope. <laughs> Maybe not. Okay, bye. We're turning a corner a little bit. Maybe turn it around eventually, I hope. That's a, that's a big step right there. Hey, this is Nico. Nico! Uh, didn't call yesterday because I actually didn't get a chance to watch the game because the game was not on the NFL uh, package, which my work has, so don't understand what's going on there. And it wasn't on any local channel, so uh, whatever. So I just kind of watched the game pick by on my phone, on my sports mobile app that refreshes in where I work like every five minutes. Um, I did watch the highlights or the, the replays, you know, not much highlights there. Right. You know, um, yeah, everybody's making points. Like LaFleur, how many times can he say in a you know, press conference, we need to run the ball more than he doesn't. Right. I agree. Watson, Watson should have three downhill strikes a game regardless. Don't even care. Just do it because he's bound to catch one of them. That's a point that somebody else made earlier, a uh, national guy. I think it might have been PFF. I don't know. But it's, you know, regarding that drop, if he drops 20% of his passes and you throw him 10 passes, he's going to catch eight. That's a lot. I know drops suck. But you know if he runs in a straight line, he's going to get open, right? Maybe not every single time if you got the safety over the top. But again, let's say you do you try it 10 times. Five times he gets open. Once he drops it, you're talking four receptions of 30-plus yards. I mean, eventually they're going to have to do something to try to mitigate that. I don't know. But that's, that's the point. Do something until they have to change up what they're doing, and then you can do something else. But it just seems like... Yeah, I don't know. It it seems like it's easy. You know, just that's why we do jet sweeps, because it's easy. It's an easy way to showcase his 
athletic ability. Well, there's nothing super, you know, difficult about a go route. I'm sure he's figured out how to do that a long time ago. I'm sure he was running those in high school. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's basic. It's it's not you know we're not talking high level strategy here, but I don't know why we don't try it. You know, at least at least once a game, just to keep him honest. Um, I know he got hurt. I don't know, like he, he wasn't in any of the three plays. He, I guess he got hurt. Whatever. Um, and all of a sudden our cornerbacks are like the worst part of our defense. You know, yeah. they they seem to do so good in like in man coverage. Now we're playing the zone, and the defense coordinator says, "Well, we do zone. Well, if we have dudes that are really good at man, how about we let them go man?" I don't know. Um, you know, I want to look into that real quick. You know, there have been times, my, my son, I just taught him what zone is, and it makes him so mad because he thinks it's the dumbest thing in the world. I was like, well, sometimes they play zone where they don't actually chase guys or follow guys. They kind of like stand in their own area. And he's like, why would you do that? I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, you know, to a seven-year-old kid. I'm like, well, it can be kind of tricky for the offense sometimes. But So every time somebody caught a pass, he's like, are they in zones? Are they in zones again? I eventually had to tell him he's not allowed to say zones anymore. But he he turned into a Packer fan. I mean, he's already been a Packer fan, but he, he he understands his role as a Packer fan is to get upset about zone defense. But there were times when he's like, oh, they're playing zone again. He was right wide open or whatever. And then they showed the replay and there's a guy running after him, right? It seems like, oh, you're playing soft zone. Sometimes the guy's just getting cooked. So out of curiosity, I want to see what they've charted as far as stats are concerned. So as far as grades, Keyshawn Nixon is the only guy with a good man coverage grade, 75.6 overall. Eric Stokes would be the next highest at 66.6. He's only done it 21% of the time, which is, I think, kind of relatively high. I don't know. But two targets, two receptions, 26 yards, 118.8 passer rating. Jair Alexander has a 42.8 coverage grade when he's playing man. Um, Two targets, two receptions, 42 yards. And then no pass breakups, nothing. Razul Douglas has the lowest grade, 36.1, three targets, three receptions, 33 yards. If we go over to zone defense, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> like Literally the exact opposite. Razul Douglas is number one, 79.3 overall grade, 11 targets, nine receptions, 42 yards. Um, Jair has a 65.3 overall grade, five targets, five receptions, 51 yards. Stokes, 55.6. Uh, 12 targets, 10 receptions, 129 yards. And then Keyshawn Nixon is the lowest at 46.3 overall grade. So um, as far as there's not a whole lot of statistics, there's no touchdowns given up by any of our corners. There's also zero pass breakups and zero interceptions, apparently for the entire season, which sucks. But Razul is, according to this, significantly better in zone Jair is significantly better in zone. Stokes is slightly better in man. Keyshawn Nixon, which doesn't matter, is way better in man, although limited sample size. So that's their perspective on it. I don't know. And it's not even necessarily a perspective on what they should do. It's just what has happened so far. So again, I just I don't want to go all in on if we if we were doing something else, it would be better. Because we do that with everything. Same with fire Matt LaFleur. Why? Because then it would be better. Why do you think that? Fire Joe Barry. Why? It, we'd probably be worse. Get rid of Aaron Rodgers. Well, we would be worse. You know, it's one thing to identify a problem. It's another thing to assume that if we did something different, it would be better. It might be worse or just not better. 
there's the potential for new issues to arise. You know, like uh, you come up to a dam or a ceiling or something that's holding back water, and there's several holes that are pouring out. Well, why don't we just patch the holes? Well, you patch the holes and what happens? Instead of the water passing through, it builds up pressure and now the whole freaking thing breaks. If we assume that nothing changes in the negative, there are no negative reactions to our, or negative consequences to our actions, then we can just assume if we just patch these things, everything's fine. A lot of times there are negative repercussions for making those changes and reasons why we're doing what we're doing. It's not just because this is what sucks and we're doing what sucks. Most of the NFL is doing zone for a reason. So again, it's on one hand, you've got the, it's not working. Why don't you try something else? On the other hand, we can't just assume if they do something else, it's going to be better. We don't know. I'm all for trying. And if it doesn't work, then whatever. But not trying doesn't seem like the best option. Just a thought. If, if A isn't working, try B. There you go. Because A clearly is not working. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I think it's a lot of it's coaching LaFleur. If, if Rodgers is turning too much crap into a, to a passing game, then uh, tell him you've got a guy in the wings waiting to play football, uh, the name of Jordan Love, and say what you want. I don't give a dang. I love Rodgers. Don't get me wrong. I, I would whack his car for free if he asked me to. But if he's going to go against the coach, I'm not down for that. You know, we're here to win, not make him look cool. And, you know, uh, I heard Jacob in another podcast say he, he was the bad. He said if we, we'd have had love playing, we would have won. I don't know about that. But, um, <laughs> I, guess. That was, I, was, I was listening to Jacob and Clayton. I know exactly the podcast you're talking about. I was listening to him, and I was 100% on board with Jacob. And then he said we would have won with love, and I'm like, mm, I'm going to pull back on that one a little bit. I don't know about that. We would have lost, but, you know, we would have at least done a couple different. We probably would have run the ball more. Again, we would have lost, but we would have run the ball more. Uh, love is going to follow the script, and in this offense, the script is very important. So, uh, you know, hey, uh, with that said, it was a freaking European game, time change, all that junk. Um, I expected them to play bad, and they did, even though I really didn't predict it. Um, but I just, you know, they just don't really play good uh, when they have long flights. And if we're going to suck, I guess it's better to suck in the beginning of the season and, and pour it on in the in the second half. So uh, if Washington's going to be injured, sit that guy a month. Let his hamstrings heal, and then run him like a scalded dog afterwards. You need to... <laughs> Get him into into playing shape, and like I said, we gotta go. We gotta go three deep with him a, a game. So that's me. I'm out. Peace, go back, go. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm like most things. I'm kind of just all out on Christian Watson. Not you know, a lot of people. Are, Is he a bust? No, dude. It's no. Um, first of all, way too early to establish that. Second of all, again, three injuries <laughs> so far. Um. And you know how it goes. If he had had all a training camp, there's a good chance he would be in Dobbs' situation where you've, you've been working with Rodgers and you've got his trust and he starts looking your way and the timing is better and he would be the one blowing up and everything else. But again, like I said, with Watson, I think the train left the station without him and they're trying, you know, they're sending out ropes to see if he can drag him across the tracks or whatever, but it's just, it's nothing's really clicking right now and they can't slow down the train for him. They've got to keep going. In fact, they need to speed up. And um, he's going to get, and especially with injuries now, he's going to get even further left behind. It's not his fault. It's not because he's a bum or a bust. 
it's just the reality of the situation. The Packers can't stop. They can't turn around. They have to keep going as fast as they can. And now he's he's out with an injury. I don't know. I mean, for all I know, he'll be back next week. I don't know. But he's still down for whatever kind of training and stuff they're doing right now. You, you just said, you just said butt fumble dork. <laughs> so from now until the end of time, when I see or hear Mark Sanchez, I'm just going to call him butt fumble dork. I'm sorry. I had to go back. <laughs> go back. <laughs> I did call him a butt fumble dork. It felt good to say, man. It just, it was, it was, uh, it felt nice. It felt right in the moment. <laughs> Glad you appreciated that. Good morning, but, hey, Ryan. Hey, hey, Packer super fan. Hey, Ryan. Um, I think I tweeted to you about this as well, but I just wanted to bring it up on Packer uh, After Dark as well. All right. So I've been trying to figure out why I've been so frustrated with the Packers in recent history here. And, uh, it just came to me yesterday, and I started thinking about, well, well, how have they done over the last 10 games? So, I guess I'd put it to you as a question. In the last 10 games, the Green Bay Packers have taken the field. What's their record? It's a good question. Well, I'll give you the answer. Well, all right, let's look it up. I know it's not good, but let's look it up. So, let's go backwards. Um, we lost to the Giants in London by collapsing at halftime. We narrowly beat Bailey Zappi and the Patriots in overtime. Uh, we beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 14-12 to when they had no weapons, wide receivers. I think tight end was out. We beat the Chicago Bears 27-10, Sunday Night Football. We lost to the Vikings 7-23. to Before that, we lost at home to the San Francisco 49ers, scoring 10 points, 10-13. to Before that, we lost to the Detroit Lions 37-30. to and then, um, what, what did you say, 10 games? So we're at, what, 7? We beat the Vikings 37-10. to 10. We narrowly beat the Browns 24-22. Uh, we narrowly beat the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore 31-30. to 30. Uh, I don't know if that's 10, but before that was 45-30, Chicago Bears we won. So we beat Baltimore by 1. We beat Cleveland by 2. We spanked the Vikings 37-10. We lost to Detroit. We lost to San Francisco. Uh, we lost to Minnesota. Three really bad losses in a row. I mean, the the Lions put up 37 on us. Then we couldn't score any points at home against the 49ers. And then we scored seven points against Minnesota. Um, so in the last, probably in the last 10 games, we've had two two really good games. The Minnesota Viking game and then this Chicago Bear game this week. I mean, that that is fair. Um when was the last stretch that we watched this team and just thought, man, this is a this is a good team? Um, you know, the the Chicago Bears game after the bye week was, I guess, good. But you give up thirty to the Bears, you feel like crap. So I don't know. You know, forty five is awesome, but again, that makes you nervous for the defense. Rams thirty six to twenty eight win, that's good. But before that, we lost to the Vikings, seventeen nothing win against Seattle, kind of felt good. Uh, I think there was a whole bunch of weird stuff going on with that, but I can't remember what. Kansas City, obviously, was the... Um, it had to. It, it was probably the stretch from week two through week eight, right? We, we pummeled the Lions 35-17. We beat San Francisco in San Francisco. Obviously, a two-point win isn't the greatest, but that's a game that, as Packer fans, we think we're going to lose. We pulled out a win. That's awesome. 
We beat Pittsburgh 27-17. That feels awesome. Uh, Cincinnati in Cincinnati took us to overtime, which sucks, but uh, they ended up going on to win the Super Bowl uh, or go to the Super Bowl, obviously. And, um, you know, it was a playoff kind of thing, and we ended up winning that game. Uh, We beat the Bears by 10, 24-14. That feels good. You beat Washington 24-10. That's pretty solid offense, great defense, right? And then Arizona with all the disasters going on in there, they were an undefeated team, um, completely unstoppable. We lost all our weapons. We end up beating them 24-21. That stretch right there was, this team is unstoppable. And even the Kansas City thing, you're thinking they only scored 13. If we had Rodgers, we would have annihilated them. Even Seattle, week 10. You felt good about that. You know, a shutout to Seattle. That's amazing. I think after that, starting in week 11, everything kind of sucked. A little bit. I mean, because things are so good, you don't see it necessarily in a negative light. That's where you don't over, you underreact to everything. Like, whatever, dude. It's it's a W against the Rams. Like, you know, well, I guess the Rams game was pretty good. But um, yeah, then we won coming out of a bye week. Again, giving up 30 to Chicago is an embarrassment. But you don't worry about it because everything seems fine. So the, the red flags started around the time that, I guess, Rodgers got hurt last year. And I guess if you want to start a whole new conspiracy theory, um, something surrounding that. Dang it, I just closed closed your voicemail. All right, that's, that's my general observation of the situation. What do, you, what do you got going on here, Mike? Well, I'll give you the answer. Four and six. Okay, when you factor in the loss, Detroit at the end of the season last year, the loss to the 49ers. And then, of course, the preseason where where they never play anybody. Everybody sits and, you know, they really don't care if they win the game or not. They're pretty much, you know, LaFleur, ever since LaFleur has been here, it's been, they don't even, they don't even pretend like they want to win the games. Um, You know, they went, they went one and three, or I'm sorry, one and two. And now they're two and two, or uh, three and two this season so far so they're four and six in their last 10 and that's why i'm so frustrated it's been a long time since this team has gotten on a roll done and done anything and it goes all the way back to the detroit game in detroit last year after they had everything all wrapped up they didn't play they didn't they didn't they sat a bunch of guys down they were like everybody knew they weren't even going to try to win the game and detroit just kicked their ass and ever since that game, it's been all downhill from there. From there, so that's why I'm so frustrated with this game right now. I finally figured it out. They're four and six in their last ten. It's disgusting. And 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 they- I think you mean they're six and four, right? Because they, in the last ten games, we lost two this season, and then we lost to San Francisco and Detroit. All the other ones were wins, so that's four losses. We beat Baltimore, Cleveland, Minnesota. Chicago, Tampa, and New England. We lost to San Francisco, Detroit, the Giants, and Minnesota. If you just shorten it up to the last two games of the season, then we're three and four. So that that part would be true and suck. And and explain our frustration as Packer fans. We we always just see wins. We've seen more losses than wins recently. Got to be really careful that they don't start uh, manifesting this this culture of losing. Um, they got to get it turned around this week, started this week, and, and then they got to get on a roll because, you know, this is just, it's, it's not good. These games, you can't just give up and give these games away. I don't care if it's preseason or regular season. It, it, it starts to infest your culture 
and it's, it's just not a good thing. So let's hope they get this thing straightened out this week. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, we, we kind of get to the point eventually where you just kind of punch in a brick wall and you, your hands hurt and you just kind of stop punching it because it's a wall. It's not going to do anything. It's not helping. It's just hurting you and nothing else. And you just got to sit down and go, well, this is what it is. And um, hopefully it gets better this week. It's about all we can do. Um, we'll do one more. We'll, do, we'll hit up Nate, Nate here real quick. Hey, Pat, Daddy, it's Nate. What up? Uh, I wanted to call in just to give some quick thoughts. Um, so I first want to say something that the sunshine and rainbows people aren't going to like. Uh, probably get some hate for it, but that's fine. That's fine. It's a safe, I don't safe believe zone. in Rogers anymore. Uh, you know, I and, and let me clarify. I don't think that he's a bad quarterback. He is elite. He is one of the best to ever do it. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. We all know that that is undeniable, but I think that the NFL is going through one of its, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, metamorphosis changes, whatever you want to say. Every so often, uh, offenses change, defenses change. I think it's that the defenses are changing right now and the offenses are changing right now. It's just going through one of those cycles. Um, and I think Rodgers is so used to playing that old style that he came up playing you know, where it's the air raid offense and, you know, we never really had a good defense. And now we have a good defense and the league is kind of leaning towards more of a ground and pound, you know. Um, it, there's still a lot of air raid teams out there, but you see a lot of teams that are switching to that run-heavy offense now. Uh, you know, you got the Titans, um, San Francisco does that. We're supposed to. We have the Matt Floor offense. It's supposed to be more run-heavy, but um, I don't know. I don't... I don't think he's the answer. I think that, as sad as it is, it's time for us to think about moving on, whether that be Jordan Love or picking somebody in the draft. I think that it's just, it's not going to happen with Rodgers. And you can be mad about it, or you can get on the bandwagon. Go back up. You know, I don't really see too much reason. I know we get angry and we get emotional about stuff. I don't see much reason to be angry about something if it's a reasonable thought. You know, I mean, if you're just acting angry and stupid and like Rogers is a is a D-bag and I hate him and I hope he's miserable and, okay, yeah, we can probably call that person names or whatever, but we're all just posing theories. We we don't know what's going on. We, we, we take our best educated guess, and this is where Nate has come to after sitting and contemplating. This is taking all the information that he has. This is the best conclusion he can come to. So I don't care. You call in with whatever you want as long as you've kind of spent time thinking about it, and this is the conclusion you've come to. I don't know. That that may be the case. Um, again, I'm, I'm stuck on the fact that I think that there's a lot of stubbornness, you know? I mean, and that's true of everybody. It's not just a Rodgers trade. It's just, it's just the way things are. When you go get a player, you get a player that's a certain way, and that's the way they are. You know, we chose Quay Walker. There were other linebackers, but we chose Quay Walker because he's a specific style that we want here in Green Bay. And if we decide we want to do something else, we need someone else. Because that's not what Quay is. It's true of our GM. I'm sure they're always trying to adapt. Everybody wants to be on the cutting edge and see where the league is going and do all these things. But, you know, you, you've got to stay grounded in, in, you know, the way we do things. And the Packers are going to be stuck in that so long as Gutekunst is here and there's a lot of good in it. Again, a lot of people are going to throw him under the bus and say he's an idiot because he does these things wrong. 
you know, these things that are wrong probably never will get fixed as long as Gutekunst is there because that's the way he does it. But there's also a lot of things that he's doing right that if he leaves, suddenly these things go away. Same with like Ted Thompson. Ted Thompson really struggled in the first round, but man, after the first round, this guy was, was there's something with his abilities. It's, it's incredible. Nobody found mid-round talent like Ted Thompson did. And, and you see a little bit of that with Gutekunst. We're kind of hitting on a couple of those, although Gutekunst is better, seemingly better in the first round, whatever. You know, again, we, we highlight, and this is kind of my issue with Rodgers and why I don't want to charge full on, because we can specifically see the problems with Rodgers. But we may be ignoring a lot of the things he's doing that we can't really see. For example, when you say Jordan Love, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to pick on Jacob here, but one thought as, as I was talking about it, Remember what, what happened to Jordan Love the last time he was there? They blitzed him nonstop. And we went up against one of the most blitzing offenses in all of football. They would have brought like eight or nine guys every single time. We never, we, I said we would have run the ball. We wouldn't have because they would have brought the house every single time. Our running backs would have been tackled in the backfield. So Jordan Love would be standing there trying to complete passes as fast as he can because he's not Rodgers. He's, he's, if you try to do that to Rodgers, he's going to diagnose it. He's going to make a quick change at the line. He's going to, you know, do a little thing with Randall Cobb and he's going to get open and they're going to gash him and then they're going to have to stop doing that. There's a whole lot of things that just because he is who he is, defenses have to be a little bit different. And yeah, there, there are certain things they can do now that Rodgers, with the talent he has and everything, isn't really able to overcome right now. But there's a lot of things we're being protected from that we don't even see because he's out there. And so, you know, the, the discussion doesn't even matter all that much because we are at the end of his career. I mean, it, it does matter. I'm just saying it's not as heated as it used to be where, you know, we thought there was a possibility he could be here for five, six, seven, eight years. Who knows how long he's going to stay. Now, it, I think most of us agree it's, it's one, two, three at the absolute most. It's this year, next year, and the year after that. I'm still kind of of the mind that this might be the last year, but I'm guessing most people are down the line this year and next year. So, I mean, if we, if we made the decision, I don't want you here, I'm getting rid of you, I'm trading you, I don't even know if that's possible. I'm not interested in doing a conversation on the, on the contract. But it takes a lot of the sting out of it, the fact that he may choose to walk away anyways, or even if he doesn't, this probably would have been his last year anyway. So it, it, there's a lot of people that would never be on board with getting, Aaron, getting rid of Aaron Rodgers that would be on board because, hey, I'll take whatever capital we can get. Or, or even if he's just like, you know what, if you're not going to play me, then I'm just going to leave. Or maybe we don't get much for him because the contract is just astronomical. I don't know. But even with that, there's a sense of... You got to rip off the Band-Aid. We have to learn to live without Rodgers. And if we genuinely, genuinely believe that we are going to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, bring him back. Or we're going to be contenders. Or we're going to be so much better. If not, there's no reason. I mean, if we're not a playoff team, and it's not Rodgers' fault that we're not a playoff team. I mean, he may contribute in small areas, but it is not his fault. But if we're paying the guy, what it, Ken Ingles said something like, he's getting like $42 million cash this year. Next year, it's going to be like $59 million. I don't know exactly what cap and all that stuff, all that works out and when the bonuses take place and all that stuff. But there just gets to be a point where it's like, you know what? If this is what it is, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to overreact. I'm just, I'm just, let's just pose a hypothetical. Let's just say we could see into a glass ball and it says we will not make the playoffs this year or next year with Rodgers. What are we paying for? You know, I mean, for a couple of really big highlight throws that, you know, the announcers go, oh, man, that's, that's, that's why you pay Aaron Rodgers, just so we can do that once in a while. I'm kind of of the mind, unless we are a serious contender, which we very well may be this year. I have not ruled that out. It's very early. But if we are not contenders, we need to rip off the Band-Aid. And we need to move on and, and you know, just say, look, I don't know what your plans are, Rodgers. Um, 
we're, we're, we're planning on moving on. So take some time, think it over. Let us know if you'd like to retire. If not, then we'll, we'll find you a, a new home. We'll work with you on finding a, uh, a place that you want to play. And you move on and you hand the keys to Jordan and you give him a year and you say, I know we haven't put you in the best possible situation, but you've had a lot of time to learn and uh, we wish you the best. And you put out your best players. We got Dobbs, we got Watson, maybe Torrey's taking a step this year because we'd probably lose some guys. Rodgers leaves, Cobb probably leaves, probably overpay to keep Lazard because he's important to what we do. Mercedes will probably leave. Sammy probably walks, but let's just, we'll see. The thing that makes me nervous, and I, I hate to, I shouldn't even go down this road, but there's a part of me that thinks when Rodgers leaves, depending on the culture of the locker room, it might be good to shake it up. And I, I love Matt LaFleur, and I think he's a brilliant mind and all that stuff. But I'm worried about the culture. I'm worried about the defense. And there, there's a part of me, like I said, when, when there's a turnover, somebody comes in and says, people don't believe in us. They think we're a joke. And I'm here to tell you that this is the most talented locker room I've ever been in. And we're going to go out there and we're going to show the world and it's going to be you guys that do it. There needs to be an infusion of inspiration. And if all it is is we suck and now we lost Rodgers and we suck even more, this elite defense that we've built, it's going to go down to zero fast. So again, way ahead of myself and I'm absolutely not calling for Matt LaFleur to be fired. I, I just, I worry about that. If they're already getting discouraged and we miss the playoffs and then Rodgers leaves and Mercedes leaves and a lot of the core guys leave, I'm, I'm just worried about that if it's if it's matt coming back and doing the same old you know hey we still have a standard here and we're you i expect you to be at this level and you know i don't know i don't know it's it's far down the line we'll see how it goes anyways with that being said i'm gonna leave it at that you folks have yourselves a fantastic day i will talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye-bye